Welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax. Make yourself at home, your new home. And remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you enjoy the show. So what have you been up to lately? Um, Working my buttocks off. Working my buttocks off to make it to fucking Universal Studios Hollywood Horror Nights. Because I talked you into it, right? Well, you, like you had to talk me. I mean, yes, you twisted my arm, my ghostly phantom arm. I didn't want to go, but then yeah, there's I know some, it was hurting but, you so much. Yeah, there's a fucking <laughs> imposter. There's a bitch that's supposed to be there representing me or pretending to be me. So uh, really what I need to go do is handle some business because La Llorona, I don't know what she has against La Llorona, but, you know. That's what's going on right gonna, now. Just <laughs> gonna go up there and set up shop, huh? And just kick her the kick her the hell out of the yeah. house. And she better not look at or even touch my man either. I'm not even playing. I will punch a bitch in the <laughs> face. Might go right through her, you know. She tries to hit me, same difference, but <laughs> that's what's happening. What have you been what have you been up to? I'll just the usual watching way too many scary movies on top of the ones that we already covered for the show. So that, that's been my life recently. That um, is your life. And you and Donnie G just are getting into it's slasher season hasn't even started yet. And you guys are ready. You're ready and raring. Yeah. I've actually watched a couple in the last little bit. I'm not going to discuss those, but yeah, I've, I'm already ready for slasher season. It's, it's getting close. Oh yeah. We'll save it for a slasher season for sure. Um, I did see a movie that's like tangentially related to slashers. That's kind of interesting. That was recommended by a coworker. It's a uh, one called I saw the devil and it's an Asian film. I can't remember. It has to be South Korean, but, um, it's a very interesting movie because it follows like a, a, a serial killer character, but he, but he kills this lady at I mean, this beginning of the movie. So that's not really spoiling anything. He kills this lady who's, uh, husband or husband to be, I should say, or fiance is a uh, is like a high level government operative, and basically it sets up a cat and mouse game after that because the the hunted become or the hunter becomes the hunted. Oh, it's that that it's one of those movies where the guy is so uh, upset over the fact that it. I mean, and he finds out too that she was pregnant, which makes it even worse. Oh shit! And so he instead of just killing the guy outright, he he catches him. And then he, uh, you know, does something to him, like break, you know, like breaks something on him or whatever. And then, like, well, actually, what he does, is he lets him like get close to killing another woman. He breaks in in the middle of it, prevents the guy from doing it because he knows that's the guy's mo, anyways. He he knocks the guy out, and then he dumps him somewhere, and then he lets him get loose again, just so he can do the whole thing over again. The whole movie's like this. Yeah, he just keeps let you know letting this guy <laughs> loose. And it's one of those movies that's like. I mean, it's good in the sense because 
my biggest pet peeve in some of these movies, Jeepers Creepers is the worst for this, is that I feel like the protagonists absolutely do nothing in those movies. I mean, if you're cornered, I mean, you know, even like a defenseless animal will like go out swinging and like Justin Long and Jeepers Creepers just sits there. It's like, please take my eyeballs, <laughs> sir. You know, it's like one of those things. But you know, but it's one of those, you know, but this movie's like the opposite of that. It's like, okay, what if the bad, you know, if the good guy, quote unquote, uh, goes so far into revenge that he becomes as bad as the person he's fighting, basically. So, um, pretty, pretty good movie. Um, it's runs a little long though. There's, I mean, it, it, I mean, it goes through several sequences of catch and release on this guy, but, uh, but it's got a good message at the end of it, kind of about the nature of violence itself. So I like that about it. Interesting. Okay. Um, it's one of those ones that, I mean, they, they've got like, I, I watched it on Tubi, but I don't, I think it might've been like on the way out at the time that I watched it. It's the reason I went ahead and watched it. Um, but if you can catch it, it's, I mean, it's got like dubbed and subtitled versions. So whichever you prefer, I mean, you know, a lot of people have their, you know, problems with each one of them. I mean, it sounds more um, like an action. Was it scary? Uh, it wasn't really scary. I mean, it, it, you know, it, some of the, I mean, the gore in it's pretty, pretty well done. So, I mean, you know, gore hounds or people who are averse to gore, you know, might like or dislike, you know, uh, respectively speaking, but I mean, it's, uh, but I mean, it, it didn't really have like any horror elements per se, other than the fact that you're talking about a serial killer and, you know, there's, there's some true life horror to that, I guess. But, oh yeah. I mean, uh, real horror can be real horror can be real i tell you <laughs> yeah so i mean it's it's i mean but they didn't frame it like it's not one of those movies where they you know they have like the you know the the build up of this you know the music and all of a sudden blah he attacks or anything no i mean you're following this uh you know uh perverted nasty serial killer you know as he and he thinks that he's so cool because he's you know whoever this idiot is is just let him go again and then it takes him it takes him a while before he figures out he's like i'm never getting out of this i'm gonna have to push back that's so. pretty awesome actually <laughs> um so i did say a couple of horror movies though straight up that i was going to talk about reckon about that same co-worker uh, one of them is called the ritual and it's on netflix i believe um it's pretty good. It's about this guy who it's about a, it's about a group of friends that are like, I think they're British and one of them. And as they're out like uh, together, just hanging out one night, they go like a couple of them go into a liquor store and one of them, and this is the beginning of the movie. Uh, one of them gets killed by some guys who are robbing while the other one kind of just stands there and lets it happen because he's like frozen in fear. And so like, half of the group blames him for it i mean uh, you know two of the four guys blame him the other one doesn't just says you know it, it's you know nobody could have really done anything different in the situation but they go to like um i think it's norway and they're uh paying their respects to their friend and this big trip they always take big trips together but on the way back they get lost in this set of woods and they start seeing all these symbols on these trees and like seeing these like sacrificial like deer and stuff hanging from the trees and they start getting into more and more and it's like it's almost like the witch but like with the nordic monsters or a nordic monster i should say it toward the end of it oh shit it's really i mean the monster's really well done and they they hold it back and reserve it i mean because of the budget which is good but i mean i've never i mean it's pretty freaky looking i mean it's it's almost like a cross between like a large elk that's, I mean, a very large elk, like massive, with a person attached to the front end of it that's yeah. got like these arms that it can reach out and grab people. I mean, it's it's 
and it's based on their, some of their lore too. So I mean, it's got a basis in like rea- and you know, like in their myth. Well, it's Nordic, but it sounds almost sounds like a Wendigo, a Wendigo to me. That's what I was thinking. It's got a little bit of that vibe to it, but it's uh, the way they present it. It doesn't look like the Native American version of what yeah. this creature is supposed to be. But I mean, they're they're basically picked off one by one by this thing. And I mean, you're, you're, and you're following and the guys kind of like dealing with the fact that, you know, he, he keeps seeing like images of his friend, like in the fact that in, in the convenience or the, you know, the liquor store being killed. So he's dealing with that. And it's kind of like combining both stories. It was pretty well done. I'd probably get it like a 6.5 out of 10 or something like that. If I was going to rate it, um, on our scale, like a three or something out of five. Yeah. You know what um, it reminds me of? Okay. I don't know if you've seen it. There's a horror cartoon strip out where it's a bunch of, God, is it a cartoon strip or is it, I can't remember if it's cartoon strip or if it's actual like fake photos that were done. I think it's, it's photos and it's all of these, what looks to be construction workers that just get attacked by these humanoid elk, if you will. Um, and they're just massive in size. They stand up like humans. Um, some of them just flat out look evil, but they're just ripping them to shred. And it's showing them in these photos. It goes photo by photo. You just kind of see them all. One guy ends up surviving. I don't know how, but then he meets the master. Um, <laughs> and it's all in photos. So I have to find that and, and share that with you because you, this is kind of what was going through my head when you were discussing that. So if you can imagine Krampus from yes. the movie that we, we covered, if he was attached like a centaur to a large elk body, it's something like that. Yeah. Is, is kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. It, it yeah. sounds very similar. It's, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it was pretty well done. I've got to give them credit. And it, it, I mean, it played out like the witch in a lot of ways too, because they find this creepy house and there's like a, a shrine, you know, devoted to this creature inside of it. And the, the local people there um, worship this thing. And so they, you know, they get in on, you know, they're, they have to deal with that at one point too. And um, so it, it's, it was pretty well done. It's, it's worth a watch. Yeah. It um, sounds pretty good. And then the last one I watched was similar in tone, actually. It's also recommended, and I think I kind of mentioned this in the last podcast a little bit, uh, whenever we was talking about M. Night and, uh, and uh, trying, uh, The Village. This is like the better version of it, in my opinion. It's called Apostle, and it's like a period piece. I don't exactly know when it's said. It's like, I want to say early 1900s, but um, it's uh, it, it's set on this like island out in uh, in the middle of nowhere, and like there's this cult that's on the island, and they and they and they also worship this uh, local pagan goddess or whatever, and uh, and and they're basically sacrificing people to her to like you know keep their crops going and that sort of thing, and it's it it's pretty well done. I mean they they do some good visuals on the 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 quote unquote demigod or goddess or whatever that that they have. Eve and the and the way that her powers work and 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 all that so mm. uh, looks creepy uh, as fuck was, and I uh, love a period piece. Yeah, the it's a little bit slow at the beginning, but once the main character kind of stumbles upon like the you know the the hut where they're making the sacrifices, it's you know it's from then on it's full bore. I mean, so it's it it picks up pace pretty dramatically toward the end. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like medieval style torture scenes in the movie too. I mean, even though they're done with like you know implements from like you know 
early 1900s, like, you know, uh, drill bits and stuff like that, like old style drill bits. I mean, they're still done in like a very like medieval torture rack style, you know, way of doing them. So it's, it's got some of that for the gore fans. Huh? I mean, the art on this alone is fucking amazing. The cover. I don't know if you've seen it, the drawing, but it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it's it's. I, I would say that it and the ritual actually make a pretty good double bill. Like if somebody wanted to watch the two back to back, I mean, because they they're set in different time periods, but they kind of hit similar tones. Like you know, this ancient pagan culture and like you know, modern quote unquote American, well, or not Americans, but like modern people, like you know, kind of stumbling in on stuff that they didn't think actually existed. Cults or covens, or cults and covens, could potentially be its own season of Death Holler. It could. I mean, I've been sitting there like there's a lot of like different witch movies in particular that have uh, came out in recent years or that I've heard about that that might be, you know, its own season, which that stuff goes back a while, too. I mean, there's there's Vincent Price's like Witchfinder General from like the 60s or whatever that would fit pretty well into that whole thing. But and then um, I think Sean Bean is in one that's really good. Um I can't remember if it's called the black death. I believe it is or something like that. It's, uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's set up on the, the idea that they're in like medieval times and they're going to, uh, uh, root out a witch or whatever, potential witch, but you know, they're used to like just basically burning regular women alive and they <laughs> actually stumble upon a witch. So <laughs> they don't okay. get what they think they're getting out of this situation. Oh, that's actually pretty <laughs> awesome. I love Sean Bean too. I just love him. I have there hasn't been anything that I've seen him in that I didn't like, so uh just a spoiler, and it's not a spoiler if you know Sean Bean, he he dies. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a given. It's almost a given. There's no movie that he there's only like two or three movies total that he's of all the ones he's made that he survives. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's his eyes, man. There's just something in his eyes that make him such a lovable character. It doesn't last. <laughs> um, one thing I was gonna bring up before uh we, we let in our guest is uh the little incident on YouTube recently. You wanna like fill the on a little post that we had yes and i keep forgetting we're gonna have to start doing some real disclaimers now i've actually started posting disclaimers on certain things that i put but um yeah we had a uh, youtube viewer that uh i guess they thought they were getting a free movie out of one of our podcasts that we had posted and uh, i i politely informed said poster that uh you know this is uh where you get reviews on <laughs> The movies, um, you're going to have to pirate your movies elsewhere. YouTube is not the place. I know sometimes YouTube has movies posted. That's great. Um, Death Holler does not offer that here. We stick to, um, you know, podcasts about horror movies and podcasts about horror horror films, okay? <laughs> so uh, I apologize you did not want to hear our opinion, uh, <laughs> but now that you've checked in, you can't check out. So uh, apologize. Yeah, they... They really wanted to watch The Changeling, and yeah. they did not get that with our uh, with our podcast. No, 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 they did not. So uh, if you can't afford the, oh, I don't know, 3 to $4 it takes to rent, <laughs> you could just listen to us for free. Because <laughs> we are giving away that information here. I don't know if you know that. And uh, you can just ask me if you want to, but I think we're fucking hilarious. So, you know, stay a while. Stay for the rest of your life yeah. and after. So, <laughs> so yes, I have been posting kind of, it's not just that one where she commented where she didn't want to hear our opinion on the film. 
It's a lot of the Donnie G, I think I downloaded the wrong movie films reviews. <laughs> Folks, here in Death Holler, when you're here, you can watch as much porn as you want to. You're just not going to see it on YouTube. I apologize. <laughs> we are not going to play a porn movie, but there are some pretty horrible porns out there. And if you just want to skip it and get straight to the business, you can listen to Donnie G review it. We are also giving that for free here. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, that's a service we provide around here. So you're welcome, everybody. Yeah, you're and welcome. We in fact, that. if you'd like to come check it out right now, I'm about to open the door. You can all come in. <laughs> come on in, folks. Oh. <laughs> that was not what I meant to play. <laughs> Welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host and newly empowered medium, the Reverend Dr. Death. And joining me as always is a spirit that gets mad when you change the channels without her permission, La Urena. Why are you so against me watching early 80s cartoons, Urena? (laughs) It's not that I'm upset that you're watching them. I'm upset that you're not paying attention to me. I have something to say. And just like every other man in my life, I'm being ignored. (laughs) So... Oh, it's just so frustrating, though. It's be in the middle of watching something, and it's like, no, you're just going to flip the channel on me, and it's just, oh, man. It's it's very upsetting to be in the middle of a conversation, and it just feels like you can't even hear me. Well, I mean, sometimes I can, and then then whenever I do hear you, I suddenly can't breathe, and (laughs) it's a whole thing. Um, Today, we take a look at two films based upon the work of prolific author Richard Matheson. Uh, One is a movie about a blue-collar guy who can communicate with the dead after his jerk of a sister-in-law hypnotizes him. (laughs) The other is an older film about a skeptical man of science who searches for proof of the afterlife in one of the most dangerous haunted houses in existence. Join us, if you dare, as we make our way into the Mount Everest of haunted houses and discuss the criminally overlooked 1999 film Stir of Echoes and the 1973 classic The Legend of Hell House. And, of course, as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, we appreciate if you would uh, take the time to like, comment, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on the podcast listings and helps us grow. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. But first, Attack of the Bees. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Out of my eyes! This week's Attack of the Bees is kind of another cheat, but not really, because uh, this movie is kind of a bee film, in my opinion, so it, it, it fits. I mean, some people would argue that because of the pedigree of the people who uh, were in this, but um, we're talking about the 1981 film Ghost Story, directed by Don Irvin, and uh, written by Lawrence D. Cohen, who wrote the screenplay, and it's actually based upon a novel by Peter Straub, who is an author and contemporary of Stephen King. 
um, they actually wrote a book together, a couple books together. I believe the Talisman and the Black House, um, which the Talisman is going to be made into uh, a, a Netflix series by the same people that made Stranger Things. So that'd be interesting. Oh shit. Um, principal players in this is Craig Wasson, who plays Don and David Wanderley. Uh, one's a college professor. Uh, the other twin is a, a New York banker. Uh, and uh, Don, in particular, is a, uh, I believe it's Don, is the amateur paranormal investigator uh, and, uh, and a ghost fucker. Oh, so uh, he's a ghost fucker in both roles. So that continues, folks. <laughs> we just can't get away from the ghost fucking. No, not in this film. We can't. Um, and and it, it's kind of gross in this one. Uh, it's pretty bad whenever, I mean, that, that post uh, coital, uh, you know, um, sobering. And then, you, you know, kind of like when you take a look at them after, you know, a night out of drinking and you realize what you actually went to bed with is even worse whenever they're a rotting corpse. So there you go. Um, Craig Watson was in Malcolm X, uh, Body Double. He was actually in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, a movie called Schizoid, Sasquatch Mountain, uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the TV series, and, of course, to pay homage back to uh, Haley Joe Osment, where uh, he was in an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> or TR, as we like to call it. <laughs> Uh, we have John Houseman playing uh, Sears James, uh, uh, who is a uh, um, lawyer, a member of the Chowder Society, which uh, I'll get into in the synopsis for this. And um, <laughs> he was in a movie in 1938 called Too Much Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's what she said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure that that's not what that movie's about, but... I'm sure that if uh, Donnie G looked up the uh, a movie today called that, he would get something entirely different than what originally was filmed. <laughs> uh, he was also in Rollerball, and he was actually in The Fog, which we will have upcoming in, in our Halloween set of episodes. So stay tuned for that, folks. Um, and, of course, he was also in Scrooge. He was at the very beginning of the movie, and he was the old man that was like re uh, that was reading like the actual Dickens tale, I believe, that led into the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, we have Fred Astaire, uh, who is playing Ricky Hawthorne, a uh, local businessman and a member, also a member of the Chowder Society. And, uh, you know, of course, Fred Astaire is known for a lot of, like, his song and dance movies, you know, Dancing Lady, Funny Face, Zigfield Follies, and uh, Holiday Inn, which is one of the, is actually a pretty good movie. It's got him and Bing Crosby in it, and they, it's, um, I would say that most of it is, I mean, the humor even kind of stands up today, although there is a scene in the middle of the movie that has blackface, which oh, is, woo. <laughs> Does not does not hold up. Yeah, it does but, not you hold know. up very well. It happens. Uh, oh my god! I remember. I have not seen any of those movies with him in it. Um, I'm trying to think of what else he was in. I thought at one point in time he was in Singing in the Rain, but like that's an, that's another one of those actors that used to do the sing, you know, singing and dancing in their movies. So I don't. I mean, you know, but Fred Astaire was like one of the the big time, you know. Uh, Broadway style, like, you know, tap dancers and, and, and that sort of thing in his movies. That's what he brought to a lot, a lot of them. 
Uh, of course, by the time this movie came out, he was in advanced stage, so he wouldn't, I mean, he was barely getting around in some of the scenes in this movie, and and um, he just, I don't know, he just, it, it, you kind of feel bad for him. I mean, his, his eyes even kind of look like they're cataract over in this movie. It's kind of bad, but, Oh, wow. You know. He was also in a film called The Gay Divorcee. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of gay stuff back in those days. Yes, there was. Mean, <laughs> didn't mean what they said. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we have, uh, which Holiday Inn, just to get back to that, the reason I like that movie, it's it's one of the first, it, it was the first time that they did that uh, song, White Christmas, that Bing Crosby is so famous for. Oh. I mean, there's actual, there's the actual movie that he did with Danny Kay later on that's called White Christmas, yes. but Holiday Inn was the first time they introduced that song. So what I've gotten from all this is that Holiday has blackface and a white Christmas. Yes, it does. <laughs> Terrible. Um, it, um we have melva douglas playing john jaffe uh who is the local doctor a member of the chowder society and he was the old man who played the senator uh in the changeling oh shit uh, we talked about that yeah and he filmed this movie like pretty much like right after he filmed the changeling so these movies came out like back to back okay and uh, the first movie he ever did was in 1931 called Tonight or Never. So, I wow. mean, you know, that, that goes to show you how long some of these actors have, have had been in the business by the time this movie came out. Douglas Fairbanks Jr. plays Edward Wanderley, father to Don and David, uh, the mayor of the town. And he's also the first victim uh, out of the Ch- Chowder Society to the to the ghost in the film. And uh, his first movie was filmed in 1916, American Aristocracy. <laughs> that is, I don't even know if they even talked in movies in 1916. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Moving pictures. Alice uh, Krieg uh, plays uh, Alma and uh, Eva, who is a tragic victim, uh, the vengeful ghost in the movie. And of course, she is the ghost that Don and David fuck. So there you go. <laughs> she, she is that lady. She was getting it in. How old was she in this movie? <laughs> Um, she wasn't actually that old. I mean, because she's been in stuff since then. I'll get into what she's been in, but oh, yeah. I mean, she played the board queen. I mean, like in Star Trek first contact, that's, that's her. Um, she, she got a line in this movie though, that stands out to me. It's really creepy. It's like right after her. And like, I believe David, uh, is the character's name. The, the main one that survives in the movie. One of the brothers dies. And, uh, and she tells him, like, she's just staring out, like, into the ocean in, in like, Florida, like, where they're at and, like, his house. And, and he comes in there, and he's, like, just sees her standing there, and he's, like, what's going on with you? And then she turns around and says, I will take you places you've never been. I will show you things that you've never seen, and I will see the life run out of you. It's not exactly what you want to hear after you've uh, made love to a woman, but, you know, there you go. Life, <laughs> semen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, like I said, she was, uh, the board queen in first contact. Uh, she was in the movie, movie Gretel and Hansel. Uh, she played the witch in that, not Hansel and Gretel with, you know, the, uh, with Jeremy Renner, but mm-hmm. the other one that was like a more independent film that came out afterward. Yeah. Uh, she was in Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. That was and, good. Uh, she, nice. And she was in Thor the Dark World. So, I mean, she's, she's been on some, you know, recent, more recent stuff. Yeah, she was also um, in not Death Holler related, but The Christmas Prince on Netflix. 
It's <laughs> 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 so one of those Hallmark movies. And the only reason I bring it up because they, they make one almost every year, it seems like. It was like the Christmas princess, Christmas prince, Christmas baby. They have all these things. And she plays the queen in that movie. And she really has not aged a lot. I mean, she has, but she no. hasn't. Yeah, she's, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I mean, it's like her face is not very, like, I mean, there's not a lot of wrinkles mm-hmm. or anything. Like, no. she's, she's one of those people that, I mean, there you, there's a few lines around the eyes, but that's, you know, about the extent of what's happened to her in the years. The aging she's had has been very graceful, so she's aging very gracefully. <laughs> Um, synopsis for this film is that uh, four elderly patriarchs of a small New England town meet every week to share horror stories. Uh, when they begin suffering from nightmares and experiencing strange phenomena, they begin to suspect something truly horrific is happening to them. The death of one of the Chowder Society's members kicks off a truly or a true ghostly tale that will bring the sins of the past to light. A strange woman seduces two twin brothers, psycho hobos stalk through the town, and waterlogged corpses make surprise visits after sex. Ew! <laughs> and they actually have some decent effects for the time period for, for, for that effect, for that waterlogged corpse. So that's, that's actually pretty decent. That's grody. <laughs> um, it is, I don't know, this movie's uh, one of those ones, It's it's got like a B-movie feel in a sense, but it's told well enough to where it's one of those ones that, you could put on, I mean, like it, it, it elevates it. I mean, just the, the story itself, which I mean, it's based on a, a story by a well-established author. So, I mean, that's kind of why, and you know, he kind of helped with the, the making the screenplay of it, but it's uh, you can tell the budget wasn't very large for this movie too. Like as far as, and you know, it was early eighties. So, I mean, right before Poltergeist really, you know, showed everybody up when it came to like ghost effects and all that. So it, it's kind of in that in-between period. Um, honestly, as far as the horror goes in it, I would say that, uh, the changeling like shows it up, like nobody's business. Cause it's to me, this movie's not really a horror movie more. It's more like a mystery movie. They're trying to figure out what's going on with the ghost, why she's attacking the members of that, the chowder society. And, and, you know, it kind of goes along those lines. It's more of an Edgar Allan Poe style story or something, you know, in that sense. You know, it's funny as I'm wearing my midnight society t-shirt right now. <laughs> as they gathered together and yeah. threw their little uh, sand uh, or dirt in the well actually I've heard that coffee grounds do that so they could have been throwing that in the fire it could have been fucking oh god it could have been sugar sugar has a reaction from fire that's true it could have it probably was sugar it kind of looked like sugar to be honest yeah um so Nick Cage rating for this film I'll give it lower the lower of war uh it's a serious it's kind of a serious story and it's like intent but it's got a big uh it's kind of mixed with a bit of a surreal intended and accidental uh but it's well done and it's entertaining so i appreciate that you know as far as the movie goes Woo! Uh, <laughs> and um as far as that goes, though, I mean, since we're talking about ghosts that fuck, uh, <laughs> Donnie G, Donnie G, recently got a film for the back room about a haunted Turkish bathhouse. Intrigued by the premise, I ask him for the details. You're welcome, everybody. Oh God, let's see what I got here. And now it's time for another episode of. I think I downloaded the wrong movie. 
What's up, fuckers? It's Donnie G again, and today the good doctor has asked me to review the 1975 Japanese classic, A Haunted Turkish Bathhouse. Now, before I get started, I want to give you a little disclaimer. I could not find a version of this movie that had subtitles or even voiceovers, so I'm going to do my best as far as the synopsis goes. Now, what I think happens is the wife of a Japanese mobster and brothel owner fall victim to a brutal rape, which then leads to a pregnancy. Out of shame, the husband beats his wife to death, who then later comes back and kills all of the brothel workers and then the husband. I think. Uh, as far as the production quality is concerned, I would say that it's a B-level film. Uh, I don't know if it's because of a cultural difference, but this really wasn't a scary movie at all. Uh, it was more humorous than anything. Uh, especially in the portrayal of the customers. Uh, they were all nothing but a bunch of stereotypical guys that have to pay to get any kind of pussy. Uh, <laughs> as far as the porn quality is concerned, uh, nah. I mean, it's on a Cinemax level of porn. Uh, there were multiple sex scenes, but they were all obviously simulated. I mean, even a few in a few of the scenes, the guys didn't even bother to unbutton their pants, let alone take them off. <laughs> so basically, you just have a B-level horror movie with laughable sex scenes with beta-level guys that never really show anything more than boobs. Uh, for what it is, it's really not bad. Uh, IMDb, with 99 votes, they scored at a 5.6 out of 10. Wow. That's a little high for me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give it two eggplants out of five. Uh, if you want to burn an hour and a half and just so happen to speak Japanese, <laughs> I guess it'll work. <laughs> and that's all you're going to get from me today, you fucking perverts. Uh, if this is your first time with the show, uh, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, the show is Death Holler Podcast. Uh, you can also find me at Big Bald M-F-E-R. Until next time, fuckers, get fucked. If you want to kill some time and you happen to speak Japanese, do you mean Fapanese? Oh, but don't. Uh, good night, everybody. Don't forget to tip your waitress. <laughs> well... Since we've gotten everybody intrigued by that description, I think it's time to get into the movies to, that we're discussing this evening. <laughs> First up, Stir of Echoes, 1999. Um, and to give a little bit of uh, uh, context for this movie because of the time the time that it's, it was released, this movie came out on September 10th. That same year, Blair Witch came out on July 30th, as we've already said, and August 6th was the... Was, um, the Sixth Sense. Oh, shit. So this movie came out after two of the biggest horror movies <laughs> in probably the past 20 or 30 years. I wonder um, if horror fans were just like fucking like tapped out at this point. Because that had to have been a lot so early before even spooky season. Yeah, I mean, you had the buildup of the Blair Witch, which we've already talked about, and then, you know, the Sixth Sense episode. I mean, it was built up based upon hype from the internet, which was a new thing. I mean, that was the first viral marketing I remember for a movie. And then, then you get Sixth Sense, which nobody saw coming. And, and, like, I'm sure even at the time this movie came out, the Sixth Sense was still playing because, I mean, this wasn't like quick turnaround throw it on video on demand like we've got now. This was like still the time period. If the movie was making money, which 
Top Gun Maverick is doing right now, honestly. If it's still making money, leave it in the theater, let it ride. Um, so this movie would have been, it would have been a hard sell, I think. I mean, because, I mean, the, the concepts are entirely, I mean, you compare it to, I mean, we'll get in the synopsis, but you got a kid who can see dead people. Um, you got the, you know, this ghost story. I mean, people are going to be like, well, I've heard the sixth sense is good. I'm just going to go watch that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so there, there's, there's a reason this movie, I feel like, um, you know, didn't really like get out there and blow the world up as far as like, you know, uh, uh you know, or yeah, as far as a horror movie goes, just cause it was, it had, I mean, it had a lot of competition stacked against it. Yeah. Um, directed by David Cope, uh, also written by David Cope, okay. uh, who wrote the screenplay, uh, and to give a little, uh, background on him, he also wrote a few other little films you might've heard of, uh, Death Becomes Her, Ugh, love that movie. Uh, Jurassic Park, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, okay. uh, um, and, uh, Secret Window with Johnny Depp, if you've ever seen that one. Uh, and of course, uh, it's based upon a Richard Matheson novel, as we said earlier. Um, He's by got the same some name. range of movies. <laughs> yeah, um, this guy's the... really. I mean, he he's had a lot of genres. <laughs> yeah, comedy, adventure, horror. Good lord! Uh, super the superhero genre. I mean, that's its own thing. Yeah. I mean, it's really you know big now. But I mean. And uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was probably one of, I mean, outside of Blade was one of the first ones that really caught big. So, I mean, this guy was right at the forefront of all that. Um, he was a pioneer. Music in this is by, <laughs> another link to Sixth Sense is the fact that the music in this movie was done by James Newton Howard, who also did the music for the Sixth Sense. Wow, he was a busy <laughs> motherfucker in, I'm assuming 1998-ish or maybe early 1999. Yeah. Uh, 97, 98, I'm sure that like the music probably took a little bit of turnaround, but yeah, he was, he was busy. Yeah. And I was looking at his, uh, IMDB, he was also responsible for the devil's advocates score. So we've already kind of, yeah, we've, we've ran in his music prior to this season. Made on a budget of $12 million uh, in U.S., uh, it made only $21.1 million. So yeah. it did not get the same return that the Sixth Sense got by any means. Such a disappointment. <laughs> and I feel like potentially so many people may have missed out. I, I mean, I saw this movie when it came out in the theater. But, like, I mean, you know, I, I watch this stuff all, all the time. I can understand other people saying... I would rather watch the other big movie that's being out. That's you know, it's got Bruce Willis and it. it has to be, and you know, everybody claims it's got a neat twist. I've got to see it, which we were, you know, we got to throw that in there too. The twist and the sixth sense. I mean, you know, assuming that your friend was like, you've got to see this for the twist. Then, you know, a lot of people watched it for that reason alone. Yeah. If they weren't, you know, necessarily into the horror element. I would have been that friend that was like, oh my God, you got to see this fucking movie. It's insane at the end. And then I'd be, wouldn't even, I'd go with my friend to the theater and watch their face the whole time. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> you see it? <laughs> you know what's going on? And they'd be like, shut the fuck up. You know all that. That might have actually been happening. That might have been the reason that it made so much money. There were literally people saying, oh, you're coming with me. We're going to watch this. We're going to, you're holding my hand. We're going to get through this together. Um, principal players in this movie, Kevin Bacon. Uh, nobody knows who that guy is. Never heard of him. Uh, who, 
who plays Tom Witzke, a blue-collar city worker. And, and I got to throw this out there. This is the second movie that I'm aware of that Kevin Bacon plays a blue-collar protagonist in a horror movie, and mm-hmm. I love it because you don't really see that in a lot of horror movies. Like, they're either stupid teenagers or they're like these college professors or writers or whatever. You never see, I mean, just the regular, you know, like line worker like you is in this movie or like uh he just a handyman and tremors you know like yeah. you don't see that in a lot of movies and i like that he's also um, as um in <laughs> in not the sixth sense what am i thinking right now uh the ring what was the actress's name the main one she was way too hot to be just a regular person oh na- no naomi, naomi watts. watts yes kevin bacon yeah. was is way too extremely hot and fit <laughs> to be just a regular like Kind of down on his luck kind of guy, typical dad, you know? No, 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 no. He's a supermodel. At minimum, he'd be cheating on that woman fucking all the time. <laughs> so you're you're saying that that scene where he's like digging up the yard later in the movie uh, with his shirt off. Many uh, a woman. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, many women <laughs> are going to go crazy over that for sure. 100% not my <laughs> thing, but like. I'm not oblivious to the fact that that is your typical, not even typical, excuse me, that is beyond good looking, you know, not your average guy. I mean, he's got more than a six pack in that scene. He's got a nine or a 12 pack for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's worked out a lot. He does not have a dad bod (laughs) y'all. He is a dad. Yes. Uh, That is another, you know, he has a bod. Um, without the bod, um, and he is an activated non-consensual psychic. Oh, so yes. there you go. <laughs> Consent, everybody. Um, I tell you, it's important. He is six degrees from every movie ever made, uh, so we don't really have to list a whole lot of them here, but we'll get the highlights. Um, he was in Footloose, obviously. That's a movie that a lot of people remember him from. Never heard of it. Uh, Wild Things. <laughs> Which I remember for totally different reasons. I'm um, sure, yeah, based on our <laughs> fucking chats. Uh, Flatliners, uh, which I really like. I really, ju- I really like the 1990 original Flatliners movie. Yeah, um, it's it's got a good plot. They're you know they're medical medical students bringing people uh, playing around and bringing people back from the dead or themselves, but they bring something back with them from the other side. I think that's a, a good idea for a story. Oh, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, Hollow man, which there's many memes on the internet about <laughs> <laughs> anytime you open your mouth, hollow man strikes, Ugh. uh, Previously mentioned Tremors with the great, uh, late, just recently passed Fred Ward. Um, and Friday the 13th, he has the most memorable death in the original 1980s version of that movie. So um, kind of, we'll, we'll be seeing Kevin Bacon again very soon. <laughs> and there were also, and there were also titties in that one, I imagine. Uh, there I, were. Okay. Um, I, there was more later on, but oh, there okay. were, yes. Okay. Uh, he was in R.I.P.D., uh, which is, uh, it was kind of, a, which they're coming out with a sequel to, I've heard, but uh, I didn't think it was that great of like kind of a Ghostbusters style knockoff horror comedy. I don't mm. know if you ever saw it. but Had not, no. Uh, they're basically like ghost, uh, well, I don't know, I, I, well, I struggle now to remember if they're dead or if they're just tracking ghosts, but basically they're, they're uh, it's Jeff Bridges and I can't even remember the other actor that's in the movie, but like they go around 
basically, you know, trying to keep these, uh, the, these ghosts in check or whatever to make sure that they don't like mess with the populace or something. So it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it, it didn't land the way it should have. Um, he's actually in a couple of new movies though. Kevin Bacon is they, them that came out on Peacock, which I don't know. I've, I've heard that even for people that wanted the message that that movie is trying to get out there, that it didn't go far enough that way. So it just kind of ends up like a boring mess. Like it doesn't go politically for the people who want that message. Yeah. Doesn't, I mean, cause it's about, it's about a conservative, like uh scare them straight type camp where people start dying. It doesn't go too far to the, that left politics that some people want it to. And then the kills are not that interesting is what I've heard. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's unfortunate. And uh, the Toxic Avenger, the remake that's coming out, uh, and that's just now in production. So that's going to be coming out before too much longer. I'm looking forward to that because I kind of like the Toxic Avenger, the original movie. It's very, it's one of those trauma films that's very poorly done. I mean, as far as the (laughs) visual effects, but I mean, they had fun with it. You think it's going to be as sleazy as the last ones? (sighs) It's almost like you have to. If they have uh, Lloyd Kaufman anywhere involved in the production of this movie, it's going to be, you know, skeezy as hell. I mean, okay. because he doesn't, he, he does that. Yeah. Um, and politically, he falls like more in the fuck everybody model, which I love. Like we oh. already talked about it when we covered uh, uh, poultry guys. But I mean, <laughs> like he, he, he goes against both sides. Yeah. Polit- and. Uh, we have Catherine Irby uh, playing Maggie Witzke, uh, concerned wife and mother, uh, skeptic, and uh, almost victim in the movie uh, toward the end of the film. Um, she was she's not been in a lot of stuff. Uh, she was in a uh, uh, What About Bob, which I don't know if you've ever saw that movie with Bill Murray. Yes, um, <laughs> we talked about it before. You were okay. not happy I brought it up <laughs> because of how annoying it is. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I remember because we brought it up during Scrooge. It's I don't know. It's I th- Richard Dreyfus is is a hard sell for me to begin with because I mean he's he's tolerable in Jaws, but he's he's not Richard Dreyfus as you see yeah. in What About Bob. But, um, D two, The Mighty Ducks. That a lot of people of our generation love those films. So yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big one. D- does she play a mom in that? Uh, she would have to at the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was I would, thinking that. I would think she would because that was mid, mid nineties. So this movie was made right after that. She has to, yeah, she would have to be a mom in that movie. And then she's probably Emilio Estevez's love interest in that movie. I can't remember, but I, she probably is. Yeah. And then, uh, city on a hill, which is a current TV series. That's, that's still in production and still ongoing. So yeah. she's, she's still working to this day. She looks like a younger um, version of Sally Field. She reminds me of Sally Field. Uh, I can get that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was sitting there trying to think watching the movie. It's like, she reminds me of another actress, but that probably is the closest one. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of a hipper version of Sally Field, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Maybe. Yeah. I get more on the um, gothier side in this particular film. Kind of. <laughs> uh, we have Elena Douglas playing Lisa, uh, a sort of bitchy sister-in-law. <laughs> hippie and amateur hypnotist. Um, and um, she was in uh, uh, Ghost World, which I believe is the movie with Scarlett Johansson, like one of the, like a comic book movie, like one of the first ones she ever did. 
she was in the new guy with DJ Qualls, which we talked about before, um, <laughs> from Supernatural yes. fame. And uh, a movie to, to called To Die For with Nicole Kidman, as we've previously mentioned on the podcast. All righty. Um, Zachary David Cope plays Jake Whitsky, uh, creepy at times, uh, son to Maggie and Tom, powerful psychic, and of course, he sees dead people. <laughs> Don't they all? <laughs> and, the, and the only movie that he's really got to his credit, I think he's only got like three or four, is The Wedding Singer. Not The Wedding Planner, but The <laughs> Wedding Singer. This time, I'm. it's the right movie I'm thinking of. I wonder who he played in The Wedding Singer. <laughs> I think he's the little nephew to uh, Adam Sandler, that oh, one that he like, you know. Hey, Linda, <laughs> you're a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. <gasps> oh, that's hella funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have uh, Kevin Dunn playing Frank, uh, neighbor and friend of Tom, um, and he uh, he carries a secret with him in the movie. He is. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, a pretty big one by the end of the movie. Uh, he was in, he's kind of a character actor. He's been in several things. He was in Nixon. He was in Ghostbusters too. He played the, uh, I believe he played the mayor in that movie. Oh, okay. Uh, he's been in tons of TV, including the first season of True Detective. And uh, he's t- working today on a show called God's Favorite Idiot. So he's still <laughs> out there working. All right. God has his favorites in all categories, everyone. Uh, we have Connor O'Farrell playing Harry, uh, who's also a neighbor, the landlord, uh, a murderous prick and willing to do anything to help his son. Um, which I don't know in the context of this movie. I mean, this kind of jumping the gun a little bit. I mean, you kind of sympathize with him just a tad bit in the sense that his son made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, but his son was also, I don't know. I mean, his son's a monster. His son was kind of, a, yeah, his son was a monster. So, I mean, you can't really give him that much credit for, you know, being the way he is. The only reason I feel bad for Harry, and I, again, like you said, jumping the gun, is because it seems as if these people want this neighborhood to be so great and they've had a rough life and they're trying to, like, turn it around. So, I, I, yeah, I, that's yeah, where I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, and and I don't. And I feel I feel worse for Frank, obviously. I yeah. mean, that's Frank was the, the gun, beast of burden like, for sure. Yeah, he was. He was just kind of like you know, he was more so trying to hold the neighborhood together than what Harry was, uh, in my <laughs> yeah. opinion. Yeah. Uh, Connor O'Farrell's been in a ton of TV roles. He's typically cast as the authority figure. I mean, he's just got that look about him, the yeah. square jaw, and everything. You know, he's he's usually a judge, a cop or a high-ranking military officer and everything he plays in. Um, he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show. He was also in True, uh, True Blood. Um, uh, he was in The Lincoln Lawyer. He played a judge in that, I believe. And uh, he was in a movie called Legacy, which is a horror thriller about the daughter of a serial killer that might be copying her father's work. Whoa. Which is kind of an interesting movie. Good God. <laughs> Uh, we have Lisa, uh, Liza Well playing Debbie, who is a babysitter who's missing her sister and a child abductor. Yeah, she has some <laughs> fucking movie. audacity. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, that. we get that a little bit, but that, I mean, there's, uh, she's she's just lucky that Maggie, uh, you know, wasn't the kind of mom to scratch your eyes out because I think she had full rights in that scene to do so. Oh, I mean, even with yeah. that cop standing there. Like, you, okay. <laughs> 
I want I want it to be on her side because she's just been looking for a missing sister and that shit is just horrendous to go through. And to hear that somebody had seen her in the house, call the fucking police. You don't fucking kidnap a kid, you weird motherfucker. Yeah, and then she's just like, you know, and then she's screaming out and like she's sitting there and like it has and like doesn't even I mean, she's sitting there blaming them like the entire time, blaming the kid of all things. It's like that's fine if you want to sit there and, you know, uh blame, you know, uh, uh Tommy or Maggie or whatever, or Tom or Maggie, but like don't blame the, the poor kid. I mean, he didn't do anything to anybody. He just said his her sister's name. Yeah. Um She's just been, uh, Liza Well, the actress, has been in a ton of TV, including The Adventures of Pete and Pete, and <laughs> she uh, is currently playing another Debbie on <laughs> Westworld. Fucking Debbie. <laughs> Hope you're less of a cunt on there. <laughs> and uh, uh, rounding out the cast is obviously Jennifer Morrison, who plays Samantha, who's the innocent and bit naive girl on the spectrum. Uh, who is the missing person, tragic victim. I mean, this poor girl, like how she goes out. Yeah. And then, of course, she's the ghost in the film that is trying to let everybody know how she died so that she can move on. Um, this, I didn't notice it till a lot later. Uh, this is actually one of the main characters on House MD. Like, if you watch the early seasons, like, she's one, of, she's the female doctor that, like, is closest to House, like, in the earlier seasons of the show. Wow, I, I had no idea. And I've seen a few episodes of House, too. Uh, she's in, uh, in Once Upon a Time. Ugh, uh, I loved the, that show. You know. <laughs> Did you say fuck that show? No, I loved that show. Okay. Oh, do you? Okay. That, that okay. show was great. Until it wasn't. like <laughs> It brought some cool fucking aspects to Disney in a little bit darker of a way, but then it kind of got lighter as it got more popularity. Like, Disney was like, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second, you're making us look bad, you know? Made bad characters. better or worse after they introduced uh, uh, Elsa or whatever to the show? Way worse. Okay. That was when it was, it was already going downhill. And then it just kept going downhill from there. But I had discovered it. I was real, real, real fucking sick. I forgot what was going on. So I was staying at home. Just, you know, I finally was able to binge stuff because I've always been working my whole life, you know. And I was like, I'll try mm -hmm. one episode. And oh, my God, I was fucking hooked. Just like Supernatural. <laughs> so if you want a darker side of Disney, probably like the first four episodes of Once Upon a Time. The way you describe that's kind of how I watched uh, what little I did of um, I can't even remember the name of it now the uh, the witch show that had a uh, uh, Rose McGowan and um, oh uh, shit uh, it's on the, it starts with an S oh god hold on I'm googling right now because we cannot move on there is no way um, no. Charmed. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought I said it started Charmed. with an S. Yeah. Charmed. Yeah, that's it. I did watch a yeah, few episodes like, of that. That was the that show was on like midday or something, and like I would come back home from like school or something, and like that would just be on, and I'd like put it on there, because, and I was just like, eh, you know, and it, probably a lot of guys thought the same thing. It's like oh, the girls don't look too bad in this, and in a few episodes, that was back in the days where they to get the male audience in, they would have them dress skimpily in a few of the episodes. So oh, I was yeah. like, okay, <laughs> you, <know>. you whore. <laughs> um, I liked it better. <laughs> When it went downhill, I feel like after Shannon Doherty left, because nothing like a witch that's a total bitch. And she was a bitch <laughs> she, on and off screen. 
Yeah, she did add a lot as far as that goes to the show. I mean, like, I mean, because it, it felt like it was just her standard personality. Yep, and I was there for it, too. I was like, this is fucking awesome. It's like watching a reality <laughs> series about some witches. Uh, uh, Jennifer Morrison's been in... Uh, <laughs> back to Jennifer. <laughs> Switching back, Jennifer's been in. Uh, is currently in This Is Us, which I've heard is good. I've not. I've not seen that show. Same. I, I watched it. Uh, Assassination Nation, which came out a few years back or whatever, which was not bad. I mean, for it's the type of movie that's got a lot of woke stuff like in it in the sense that it's like early woke, and I mean it's got a trans character. It's got you know it's like it kind of moves into that whole thing a little bit but like they toward the end of the movie i feel like they do a pretty good job of just like focusing on like just the 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 aspect of the movie that's like the insanity of it because the whole gist of it is is like the 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 internet secrets of this whole town are leaked out and they just start going batshit crazy trying to figure out who who leaked them and uh, they blame these four girls who were the original four victims uh, pretty much of, of this leak uh, thinking that they did it to get back the rest of the town for making or ostracizing them. And it's almost got like a, a modern day witch trial thing about it because they're trying to round these girls up, but the girls fight back. And they, I mean, it's got a lot of good gore and stuff toward the end of the movie, but you know, like I said, it, I don't know. It tries to get a little wokeish in the beginning and I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's, it's hit or miss that way. Hmm. Um, and then Amityville: The Awakening, which I've not watched, that was like one of the last Amityville movies that came out, uh, or in theaters or whatever. I, it didn't get good ratings, so I can't imagine it's that great. But sounds Jennifer cheesy, was in that one. but the the one of the scarier looking characters in there looks the makeup effects look pretty good. So yeah, I feel like they advertised that one for a long time right before COVID, and then like it never. I never really saw it after that. Like it just disappeared. It was like there was an image of some girl who came out. I believe she comes out of a coma or something, and like and and that's like the gist of the movie. I think she's brought something back with her from the coma or whatever. All right, folks, don't <clears> go into a coma, <laughs> or don't shock your uh, friends to death, and then you know, like in Flatliners, and then bring them back, and then. You might bring something back with them that way, too. And don't get hypnotized. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, synopsis for this movie. Hardworking lineman and struggling musician Tom is hypnotized by his well-intended hippie sister-in-law. Uh, during the hypnotism, she gives him the instruction to be more open-minded, hoping he will chill out and be less uptight. It actually opens up untapped psychic ability, and he begins experiencing ghostly phenomena that involving a missing girl from the neighborhood. Obsessed with finding out the cause of her death, Tom seems to descend into madness as his wife and son struggle to help him. Secrets are uncovered, a rental house is torn the hell apart, and the past comes back to haunt the living. And he does, he does tear the fuck out of that oh house. Oh my God. You know, <laughs> as the landlord that goes into quotation mark check on him, he had every yeah. right to shoot him. <laughs> uh, well, he, he did have a reason to be pissed off. I mean, yeah. because... It's you're sitting there. The best part about that is that reveal, like where Tom's talking to her. Maggie's, you know, at the the, you know, I guess it's the the wake or whatever for her grandma, and like uh, she she's there, and like he's just talking to her casually. He's like, I'm done now, you know, just uh, how's things going? I mean, he's being nice. He's checking I in with you. her. Which I was, 
I missed you. And then it's like, you say, you know, he's tore up the basement and you, he's tore up the backyard, but then like he casually walks once he hangs up with her, he, you know, he casually walks the rest of the house and he has tore up holes in every other place <laughs> besides the, ba- the, the hole to the basement. If she had come home, she, I wouldn't have even at this point, cause she's kind of far off. She's about an hour away, hour drive away. If I came home and found my husband shot by the landlord, as crazy as he had been acting, I would have been like, oh, my God, my husband probably attacked him. Like, he's <laughs> lucky he lived. That's true. I mean, nobody would have, what he did. Yeah, nobody would have, like, known. Like, they, they would have been like, oh, yeah, fucking Tom went crazy. And, like, you know, he attacked the landlord and, uh, yeah, had to shoot him. And then this mystery would have never been solved. <laughs> there, this movie. I mean, we might as well get in just discussing it. We've already brought up a few things about it. Yeah. One of the main things I like about this movie, going back and watching it, is the, the relationship between Tom and Maggie. Because, like, you watch movies now, and this is just emphasized so much more by She-Hulk that just came out. Like, <laughs> the guys, the guys have to be stupid. They have to be like just constantly on the look for rape, which that's in this movie. I mean, it's in there. Yeah. You know, the the dirt bags are doing that, but Tom is a stand-up guy. And Maggie stands by his side, and neither one of them, like, belittles the other. I mean, they have their marital strife, you know, like all couples do, but I feel like it's more natural in this movie. Like, it's, like, I mean, when they need to come together, they do. Like, they don't, you know, it's not one of those things, like, little petty, you know, like, you know, her drinking wine and, like, you've always been a bastard. You'll never, you know, like, uh, amount to anything in your band. Like, she supports him, and he, you know, and... He has his moments where he says shit that he shouldn't. Like, I mean, you know, about like when she reveals that she's pregnant at the beginning and he doesn't take it the right way. But I mean, but he comes around and he apologizes. Yeah. And, you know, he genuinely feels bad, you know. Um, I like that. I like the fact that they, you know, they, they feel more. I mean, you watch, it's just such a difference between like how they portray couples nowadays. Yeah, know? definitely. I mean, because they're not, they're not perfect by any means, but they work through it. And that's pretty much what it is. It's a marriage is a work. Marriage is work, I should say. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes is her walking in. She sees the entire kitchen covered in mud. And she's like, not touching that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, (laughs) no, thank you. I'm like, and I'm just like, there you go. That's, that's the way to, you know, respond to this as opposed to just, you know, nowadays I can imagine her like down there scrubbing and yeah. like, you know, Susie walks in, you fucking bastard. You know, it's like, I hate you. No, um, it's, I got the impression she was just leaving that for him. Like, no, that's like, you made the mess. You're going to fucking you're clean gonna it up. You're going to clean it up. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I, I like the, uh, I mean, we'll get into it in the trivia a little bit, but I like the, the, the hypnotism scene that starts, you know, that really starts in on the movie, you know, I did not, uh, <laughs> you didn't like, well, you didn't, you need to explain that. <laughs> uh, I need to, uh, definitely explain that. Uh, every time I watch this movie, I get a headache or a migraine. Um, and I've only seen this movie twice. So. Uh, take with that, you know, what you will. It's weird. Uh, the first time I noticed it, because the first time I watched it was to see this, you know, for the podcast. And I was like, well, that was weird. You know, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think it was anything related to the hypnotic. I know that the red flashes bothered me a lot. So that could have been it as well. Um, there's a lot of red flashing in this movie. 
um, but the uh, the the migraine would start before that, and then the red flashing would make it worse. And just thinking about it is fucking irritating me. But yeah, so I watched it again because I didn't feel like I was able to concentrate as good the first time, and it happened again. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I got, I made it through the film. Don't worry. But yeah, it was really fucking weird. So, <laughs> and then when I messaged you, I had no idea. I had not read anything about people. I guess them having to change the hypnotism scene a little bit because it was real, and I guess some people could get hypnotized. Yeah, that's it. Was a they really took like real hypnotism, uh, you know, like a scenario, like how they do it, the technique, and they applied it the movie, and they they actually had test screenings where people were getting hypnotized. Oh my so god! So they had to go back and 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 change a few things, add in some uh, audible like little cues to like wake people up before they got to that point where they they went out. Oh my god! I wonder if that was my brain <laughs> fighting so hard. To not get hypnotized. I've heard that I'm un, I'm not able to be hypnotized because there are people who can be. And I guess there's people who can't. And the people who can't, it's, I guess it's because they can't relax enough to let anything go. Yeah. So it's not like it's a brag. I'm not, oh, I can't be hypnotized. I'm too good. It's actually because I'm not good enough. <laughs> well, apparently I'm the same way. I, I'm one of those people because like it, it doesn't even, there's not even a blip of being like remotely relaxed when I hear this. It's just I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, okay, okay, you know, it's like, and then, you know, I, I, I mean, just, there's, I'm totally, like, conscious the entire time, like, not even attempting that, yeah. so, you know. Well, I, I will I'm say this. Those, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I'm one of those people that can lay, lay down at, like, a, in a beach, and, like, my mind's constantly, like, you need to be doing something, <laughs> like, I can't. You know, I can't, I can't just sit and relax, so. Oh, my God, yeah, I'm like that, but I will say, the scene was actually really good, so yes, clearly they did a real, almost too good of a job <laughs> with the hypnotism, but I liked how they took the visual so that even though his eyes were closed, you're seeing what he's supposed to be seeing, and that was so realistic, and I will say this much, despite the fact that I did get a headache, um, not immediately following a hypnotism scene that I would know of anyways, because I didn't realize it till we talked. But I was relaxed when I kind of heard what this was going on and everything. I, d I didn't feel sleepy by any means. It just was very calming. So they did an amazing job. Yeah, the whole scene of the th the big grand theater that suddenly gets washed in black, mm -hmm. and then the you know the words on the screen. It I, I like how they visualized it. Yeah, uh, the 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 sound of her voice, the calmness. The second time they did a better job in terms of not making it a real hypnotism scene. Like it, there, there was yeah, nothing. They, they they chopped it up more and, and, and made it more dramatic so that it wasn't, it didn't lull you in in any way. Yeah. The floating, I like um, the floating towards the words on the screen. That was like my favorite part where he's floating in his chair. I, I like that too. He's just kind of, you know, moving slowly toward it. You know, that, yeah. that was a neat touch. Um, what do you think about the kid in this movie? We talked about Haley Joe Osment just knocking it out of the fucking park as a child actor. What did you think about this kid? I think it was a swing and miss for this kid. It was forced. <laughs> yeah, there was time. Yeah, this kid was nowhere near Haley Joe Osment's yeah. level of like ability, and and I mean, it's he wasn't a bad child actor, no. um, but he wasn't. I mean, like he, I think times when he was supposed to be sympathetic, he came off creepy, and yeah, you know, I never. I never got that from Haley Joel at any point. Like you felt for that poor kid. Like 
you could tell he was troubled. You were totally in his shoes. This kid, it's like, it's almost like one of the village of the damn children. It's like, okay, you, there's something wrong with this boy, you know? Yeah. What's it like to be dad? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that, that whole scene is beginning. So what's it like to be dead? It's like, oh, shit, you know, like, yeah. damn. You it know? wasn't even scary. <laughs> like, I don't know. I saw that and I was like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's kind of what I was thinking at the time. And he didn't ruin the movie by any means. It's just that I think they could have used him better. And... They, I don't know. Uh, it, Kevin Bacon maybe just stole the show, and I think this kid should have had some kind of, you know, like he should have been like the co-star, not his wife, you know. And the kid yeah. was not utilized very well, considering how strong quotation mark his abilities were. Yeah, he, and I mean, his lines were all delivered the same way. Like I never really, I mean, there's no point in the movie where he's like softer or, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's always like, it's this weird playful slash inquisitive voice the entire way through the movie. And I, mm, it, it just, it like, it didn't fit some of the scenes at all, you know, yeah. for what he was trying to, cause there was a couple of scenes where he was supposed to be like either mad, like he was mad at Samantha when she was changing the, the TV channels. Yeah. Or there was the scene like later on when he's supposed to be kind of scared, you know, by the, like, you know, his parents fighting for one, but there was a scene later in the movie. I can't remember the exact details of why. I think it's because he, he knows that the, uh, the gun's going to go off to the feathers. as he Oh said. yeah. Um, and neither time did he convey like fear in a way that I felt like was appropriate for, I mean, it just didn't come across that way. It was like, you know, it's like, I know what's going to happen. So just watch out. You know, yeah. it's like, mm. <laughs> Very Does horror. it give you a lot of sympathy? Yeah, no, not at all. It, it was unfortunate. Um, thankfully, that was just, I guess you could say his role was small enough that it it was just like a quick irritation, but you were able to move on. There was other stuff going on that you're like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm on to this now. Um, the scenes with Debbie, I felt like that actress did a pretty good job, even if we did you know, feel like that she deserved to be <laughs> have her eyes clawed out for what she did. Um you said the the red got to you. Did you feel like that was a good effect or do you feel like that they, I, I thought it was a simple way of conveying that he was seeing danger, Yes, you know, but I didn't know. Yeah. I, I think it was wonderful. <laughs> I mean, and it was, I think what was hard about those scenes is that um, for some reason he wasn't catching it on fast enough uh, in my opinion. And I wanted him to move and I wasn't getting that. And at this point my head was already hurting. So it was, it was a struggle. Um, but I, pretty much got it right away. I'm like, oh, let's go that way, that way, let's go. So I'm like putting myself in the character's shoes. That's how effective it was for me. And I hope that if anybody else gets to experience it that way that watches this film, hope you don't get the headache like I did. But I hope you get to see it that way too. It was like being a part of the adventure, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, what I know what this means. Go, 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 go. Yeah, and they didn't um, even at this. It was so early on that it wasn't like they had. They didn't explain it. They never explained it. You, you see it through his actions. You know. And I feel like that's a sign of the writer doing his job, the screenwriter doing his job, because like it, they did not. They showed they didn't tell. Like you, yeah. you figured it out. You know. Definitely, um, um, I did not. The sound, the sound was very effective, it, but it was hurting my head. So, because the, yeah, the sound was, was really like cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that, it was. I look at. I despite my headache, I was like, this shit is legit. So <laughs> it's working. Um, 
I, I like the effect they did on the ghost in the movie. Yeah. Uh, the way that she moved, uh, the, you know, the way they made her look or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the flashbacks, the way they did those for him. Let's talk about the sex scene. I mean, how shitty would that be to be sitting there? I mean, like, that's another thing between Tom and Maggie. Like, you know, they're a loving couple. Like, yeah. they're, I mean, she, you know, they're sitting there and she just, it's like, Hey, let's, let's do this. And, you know, he's like, all right, you know, and then, but then they're, fucking sister-in-law has jacked his brain up and so he can't even enjoy it you know oh i thought the sex scene was just so fucking weird i don't know um (laughs) it wasn't i I know and i know like okay so the best part of the sex scenes was seeing what was going on in his head of the of the ghost but like i was i don't know she just it wasn't believable that all of a sudden middle of the night she's just like hey you know jumping on him (laughs) Well, she's also supposed to be at the point in her pregnancy where I feel like the the hormones kicked in and she, you know, maybe you know, she, she wanted the goods, you know. Yeah, I don't know, but you're, she's also at the point in her pregnancy too where you're really tired all the time, you know. Well, you're tired you're well, mostly I mean, most of your pregnancy, you know. Yeah, I don't know with it. With, and with her son the way he is, I don't know, maybe they, they just gotten used to, like, that's how they did things. That was the only maybe way they could really that, like, work it in. That would make sense. Um, I <laughs> I am I am going to say it. I'm a woman. I own a pair of these, so I am going to throw it out there. I absolutely loathe tiny titties. I hate looking at them. <laughs> I am so sorry. Those might be so beautiful to anybody who sees them, and I wish I felt the same way. I do not. I thought they were so weird. And I was like, oh, and I just knew it, too. I was like, we're going to see a titty. I don't want to see these. So, and then my headache got worse. <laughs> and then your headache got worse. Yes. Uh, um, I'm sure you and the I, hubs would have loved see, or loved that particular quick flash of the titty. <laughs> because all titties well, are good titties to most men. Here's the thing. I can't enjoy that scene because I am one of those people that one of my biggest things that I cannot stand in horror movies, and and this movie does both, Yeah, is teeth getting ripped out of somebody's head. That was horrible. And fingernails fingernails popping off. Yeah, that was bad, too. And that had both in the same scene, and I was just like, nope, 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 that it's it's killed it's dead you oh know? yeah and, and and not only that like it's like i don't know if any men were like partially like hey maybe they kind of felt a little jiggle in their pants when they kind of saw what was going on and then all of a sudden this horrific shit is happening you talk about fucking <laughs> holy cow that's like going soft super fast <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know how I'll give credit to Tom in the scene for you yeah. know lasting as long as he did because as soon as he saw the beginning of that, it it just would she would have been having to be like down there slapping, you know, to see if she can get some life back in it. Oh you know, my it's... god. We definitely need Donnie G to watch that scene and give us a rating of that particular scene for sure. Stay tuned, everybody. Um, the scene right after that is, uh, I feel like it's kind of a, 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 kind of a throwback to poltergeist or something in a sense, because you know, the scene where the guy rips his face off and poltergeist oh, when yeah. he's looking in the mirror where you, you got Tom and he's like, got the bloody oh. tooth and he just rips it out of his head, you know, and, and all of that looked so realistic. It looked and sounded, Yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's just him sitting there just pulling away at this tooth. It's like, oh, yeah. I can't, I had to look away. The sound and everything, I was like, oh my God. I, I, they did a good job. Bravo. 
Yeah, yeah. The the one part of the movie that I thought was weird, and they don't really work it in well enough, and and, and I don't know if they, I feel like this was a setup for another movie. Honestly, was the whole scene with the the black uh, police, uh, you know, uh, officer toward yes. the end of the movie who was also a psychic, and you know he he's kind of, I mean, his introduction to Maggie is kind of weird. It's oh, like, very weird. I don't yeah. Know if you, if, if you got this, I mean, I, it was fine at first, but then he had this line that just threw me out. Like real, it's kind of creepy. It's like, it's like, uh, he's like, tell daddy to call me, you know, or the way, the way he says yeah. it, it's just like, Ugh. it was a tad bit cringe. <laughs> that's for sure. He definitely had the shining. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, we'll get into that. Actually, <laughs> it's funny you say that there's a lot of similarities between this and the shining and he is definitely Dick Holleran, you know, yes. Halloran. 100%. You know, from, from, this um, movie has a few aspects of it, of not only the shining, but also poltergeist. I mean, you had the TV situation, you know, yes. like there's the, you, you, you know it when you see it, you get it. Yeah, it, it, it had, but the funny thing is, is the source material it's based off of was written before all of that. So who wow. stole from who? Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I like what I'm hearing. Um, and, but the thing about him and the other psychics, it's only in the movie for like a short little bit. And I don't feel like they really like, I mean, they introduce them and then they're gone. And then like, it's almost yeah. like a setup for another movie entirely that we never got. Yeah, um, it was. It was supposed to add. It kind of was just another distraction for the moment. But then it goes back to something else entirely. And granted, what it goes back to was enough to distract me to uh, and make me forget a little bit of what I had just seen, you know. But I almost feel like in place of that character, they could have had the sister, uh, you know, somehow she was she was worried about Tom, too, and she could have investigated and she came across like psychic phenomenon. And she, you know, explained a little bit of that to him because what little information Maggie got yeah. from, you know, the police guy, you know, the policeman, he she could have got that from her sister, I feel like. And that would have cut that the need for that whole part out of the movie. It didn't constitute a whole scene with a whole new character. Um, why these people were playing in a fucking cemetery. You know, during a funeral, nonetheless, it was just. <laughs> and then, the, well, and the, the other psychics, the only good thing about that scene is, is that it shows the other psychics and most of them sound like they're totally batshit insane, yeah. which is almost like a, like a, you know, it's, it's hinting that's what's going to happen to Tom. Like, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it, that's the only good thing that comes out of that scene because there's the guys that's in the back while, and he's like, shut the door. Don't let, you know, they're not one of us, you know? And like, this is not a fucking circus, really, you know, they're really creepy. And it's almost like, shit, is this what Tom's going to, you know, go through? That was the only thing that really, I got out of the scene. Uh, fuck um, if that's going to happen to Tom, what's going to happen to your kid, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's got the shining for real. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> Which they don't, you know, if he did, they sure didn't have a good way of fucking showing it really. Other than maybe him talking here and there, but he was not a good interpreter, so. No, and that was the thing, too. That was the scene that I'm thinking of. It spurred it. The 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 scene that he was supposed to have been scared of was at the end when they kept driving past all the other homes, and he kept hearing all the dead from all the homes around him, and he just covers up his ear, and it's like he's he's supposed to be afraid in that scene, but I don't feel like that child actor mm -hmm. did a very good job and of conveying that. And like, homie, I hate to tell you this, but they're in your head. <laughs> <laughs> All you're doing is trapping them in there. Take your hands off those ears. Maybe they'll kind of keep out of the ears a little bit, you know? Exactly. 
Um, I liked in, I, I, I like the aspect of the story where he's, you know, like he, he's just descending into chaos, like toward, you know, or madness toward the end of the movie. And he's drinking all that orange juice. Yeah. What is the to, meaning of the orange juice? I didn't catch anything that would explain why he needed so much orange juice. I don't know if he needed the calcium. Uh, I, they, I don't, they don't, they don't explain that uh but he's, he's suffering from migraines which is funny because you got a migraine from oh, you know the hypnosis like he did so <laughs> okay well that's a better explanation then so what's the orange juice gonna do what does it have that's gonna help me with my migraines well, i'm asking for a friend you got it's not going to do anything for the migraines but he's intensely thirsty so something about the process like induces thirst like it, it's it's i don't know it's like something about his mind using that extra ability like just you know like thirst is induced it doesn't explain why i feel like the sugar is gonna make uh, it worse yeah and then like the only thing that the orange juice really made sense about but it would made more sense maybe they didn't have the rights to this i didn't see any kind of notes about it but where he was outside digging so much he would have needed to replenish his electrolytes and maybe the orange juice was a sub in for gatorade and they just couldn't get like gatorade or you know whatever to be in the movie okay let's break this Um, apart a tiny bit um, that fridge was filled top to bottom and on the door full of orange juice. I, I get yes. it, but you got a family to feed. Um, you're not working because you are, um, how do I put this nicely? Losing your fucking mind. <laughs> so you're not working. You're getting docked big time. Your wife said it. She's the only one working potentially, and she's pregnant. She's, you know, she's a woman. Let's be honest. She's making a quarter of what you're making. And like, you guys are already poor. What the fuck? <laughs> are we just supposed to bypass these details? Well, I mean, it was, I mean, in the context of the movie, he has no control over it. That's I mean, true. <laughs> you know. Um, the other thing I thought about too is maybe he needed the uh, the reason he needed the orange juice specifically is you know orange juice being a diabetic you know it, it it's the one thing to get your you know the glucose to your brain up whenever your blood sugar drops yeah maybe there was something uh, his mind was overworking because of the psychability maybe it was dropping his his sugar out and like that he was constantly having to spike it up to you know to deal with that maybe he, that's what was going on yeah. he made me dehydrated every time. He was going through his spells. He was drinking orange juice and beer. Like, not at the same time. My fa- One of my favorite scenes was when it was the second hi- uh, hypnosis that he had with the sister-in-law. She's like, what did you see? What are you doing? Asking all these questions. You want a beer? And he's already been drinking a beer at this point. He's just, like, gulping it down. And I'm like, honey, <laughs> calm down. Let him have a moment. <laughs> That almost reminds me of the scene with Lisa when he goes to her for the second, like, hypnosis. And she's like, okay, but we just smoked a big fatty. Oh, and yeah. Like, I don't know where I'm even at right now, you know. it's like- Yeah, that it was that. It was right after that, after she did the second one. And she's high <laughs> as balls, and she just wants the 411. And he's guzzling down a beer because he's uh, super, super thirsty. Um, drink some water. <laughs> Like I said, the only thing I can think of is the glucose thing. Like it's dropping yeah. his blood sugar like cotton, like mad or something. And maybe he, he's, and maybe his symptoms are all due to like blood sugar drops or something. I don't know. I don't know. You know. I mean, yeah, you can get a, you'll definitely get a headache um, from the blood sugar drop. So I get it. And he, and he was shaking a lot, you know, so there was that. Um, 
I feel like the one thing that that I, I feel like they had a very good effect on the dead body that whenever he find well first of all let's discuss that did you, did you like the the reveal did you like the actual mystery of like how she died like did you like how that was shown and and how it was conveyed in the movie yes i did i thought it was super cheesy how they like super fast zoomed in on her mummified body um yeah the that effect- almost felt like something out of one of those uh those those movies like 13th ghost or something yes. like that the old like the the original that's something they would have done you know like zoom in on a skeleton or something you know yeah um <laughs> i thought that they did a good job with the prop itself you know it looked good it looked real um you know maybe they spent a little bit too much time on it but like i said the real super fast zoom like whoa <laughs> you know like <laughs> and i was like are you fucking serious and then the music was at on that particular scene was just like okay like it it was it was a it was a hit and miss or hit a swing and miss for that just one scene but i really did think that they did a great job with the prop um, the one thing I didn't like is I feel like they should have had him react more to the smell that would have came out of that bag. Yeah, because she was only open. a few months. Like, like I yeah, don't know. Like, they were they were less than a year, I think, away yeah. from the time that she died. So, so I mean, it was he, there should have been just he just been like you know he should have looked like he was getting ready to vomit you know right yeah, as soon as he. Yeah, there was no reaction whatsoever. It was more like oh well, there she was. He was probably thinking in the back of his head. <laughs> Fuck, I tore up my whole house for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only thing that I, I'll give him credit or that I'll give a little leeway headcanon wise is maybe he was so obsessed that he would just, I mean, he was still driven. He's just like, I've got, I've got to see, you know, like uh, to solve how she died. Like, you know, and that's why he, he, like he didn't react whatsoever. It's like, now I see the end in sight. Let's barrel down this tunnel and get it over with. You yeah. Know? Um. Did you like the use of paint, paint it black or whatever from Rolling Stone? Well, the Rolling Stones didn't do the version in this movie, but did you like that song choice? Uh, I wish they had used the original. There must have been some. They probably couldn't afford it or they couldn't get the rights to it. But I've seen that. In fact, I thought that they used the original in the um, trailer for this movie. Maybe it, it could have been another movie. And it could have been another time. I think time. they might have in the trailer, but trailer rights are weird. They don't. They do different things. So. Yeah, and I guess it's probably such a short amount of time. Um, yeah, I didn't. The, I the didn't like thing, the song. The other thing is too is that the only thing I can think of is that you know uh, I'm sure they would have preferred the Rolling Stones, but you got to remember these kids were the one these these teenage boys were listening to it, so they would have been listening to a more hip, updated version of it versus the original song. You know that what I'm is, saying? Yeah, like, that, that is was, true. Um, but I like that how that song works into the movie in different ways because when he's in the theater and the hypnosis, it, he literally paints the the theater black. Yeah, you know, in, it was red and then it went black. Yeah, and then he's sitting there working on the song with a guitar because he keeps hearing it in oh, his head, yeah. but he can't get it out. You know. Yeah. No, I and like those the, little aspects of it for sure, and I do like how. The sad part is, is they had to turn the radio up to cover her screams. Oh, God. Uh, well, let's discuss that since we're on it. I mean, that scene is, is ooh. They, they did a good job conveying how terrible that is. I mean, yeah. the whole thing was. Um, it, it was. A lot of damage was done to her. Uh, it doesn't look like anything in terms of rape was successful. It was attempted, for sure. Um, But, yeah, just the whole trying to get on top of her. And then, like, fucking just... 
trying to suffocate. Not su- they weren't even allegedly they weren't trying to suffocate her. They were just trying to they shut her up. They were trying to get her to be quiet so they could complete the rape. Is yeah. what they were trying to do. And uh, yeah, that didn't work out. So <laughs> spoiler alert. And and then it was it. It's made even creeper by the fact that yes, she is this grown like you know she's not bad looking you know girl, but she's got the mind of a child. Yeah. Like, and. That's so much worse. So much worse. Yeah. uh, And I have to say Jennifer Morrison did a really good job because she didn't overact it. But she definitely, you definitely knew that she wasn't of sound mind. Yeah, the way that she just, uh, it was her phrasing more than anything. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, can can we be boyfriend, girlfriend, you know? And, yeah. And, just, and you're just like, oh, shit, you know, like, it's it, uh, it's it's tragic. And and it, it I feel like that it, it did what needed to do in that scene, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the way that they, they showed her actually like dying is that, you know, it was like, I like that scene because it was pretty simple. It was like the two boys, like with the bag over and then like it's zooming out and everything's yeah. going black, you know, which fits in with the song again, you know, paint it black. But, yeah. um, I did like the scene right after that where it, sh- or well, after, well, well, let's cover that. I mean, before we get to that, what did you think of like the, uh, final confrontation con- confrontation between uh frank and uh and uh tom and then harry or whatever inside the house or whatever did you feel like you know that that you know had enough uh, uh to it or enough threat you know as far as the uh you know how they were going about that or did it come off cheesy or whatever well it all made sense because it does show right after the mummified body is shown it does show that um harry's son saw that he uncovered the body he saw through like a little yes. basement yeah. window or something. And so he's like, ah, shit. He had to go tell his dad who already knew because Frank and Harry, which is such a typical name for these, you know, <laughs> the, this typical area where their accents, you can tell there's a lot of Frank and Harry's and, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, you know, Frank also spoiler alert, we find out very shortly after knows they all know about this. And I think every bit of how you Frank goes down there and kind of explains, pleads his case as, you know, what, what were we supposed to do? We're trying to, you know, keep this neighborhood nice. And then the other kid who ran off to go tell Harry, Hey dad, he found the body. And this guy was just like trying to just have a life after being a cop. And yeah. <laughs> has a lot to fucking lose goes and how he's responding. And it it was almost more horrifying, you know, because you kind of know what's going to happen. Now, with Harry, there was a plot twist. I mean, Frank, there was a plot twist. Um, you know, Harry, you kind of just knew. You knew what he was going to do. Yeah, he was going to go kill him. But then with the Frank, it was like it looked like he was going to, you know, uh, kill Tom, but then it's, but Tom had already kind of seen that, that hair, that, that Frank or whatever was kind of suicidal too. So, yeah, I mean, cause they hinted that earlier in the movie, you know, like he saw that scene of him saying, Oh, they, you know, you shouldn't have done that Tom that he, he's there after you and Maggie now, you know, like he saw all that before it happened. Yeah. He had a vision of it, which was, that was so cool. And I thought it was cool because <laughs> when he woke up, he ha- he woke up and he gets up and he looks for his shoe. He puts it on. He thinks he's having a normal day, but he's having a vision. And then when he wakes up, 
actually wakes up and he remembers the vision. And before he even says it, I'm like, oh, God, please don't let that shoe be under that, you know, that couch. And then he says, please don't be under the couch. And then he looks and it's there. I was like, oh, it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. And then he tries and and I think he he does save Frank's son, which kind of might be what the tipping point is for why Frank does instead of going through the suicide, he decides to save Tom is because he realizes Tom being there when his son when his son tried to commit suicide. Uh, you know, that might have been like, Well, I gotta pay Tom back. He he at least tried to yeah. do a solid for my kid. So, you know, I'm gonna do this for him. Um and I, that actor, you know, who played Frank, I felt like he sold it. I mean, just the, you know, the emotion and the scene. It's like, get out of here, Tommy. You know, let you know, you and Maggie go or whatever. And and so, yeah, you could tell he was like tore up in the in the moment or whatever. And and the guy playing Harry's just a complete bastard, which I guess you know that's as well yeah. they hired him for. But <laughs> he does it well. Uh, the scene he does it well. Backing up just a teeny tiny bit, but we're still. I want to go back to the vision. Um, that Tom has. God, Tom, Frank, and Harry. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> no thought at all. But anyways, um, when Tom has the vision, he runs to the house. He sees all the stuff happening outside. That happens again in real life. So he's envisioning. But when he goes in and he sees the kid, he thinks he's going to get shot by the kid. And in the vision, the kid is just smiling and, and kills himself in this really creepy way. Um, that was in the vision, but obviously we didn't see that in the second round. It's just a matter of the kid. You hear it happening and he breaks in and, you know, basically yeah. tries to yeah, save him he's... in real life. But yeah, the vision itself was fucking creepy. Yeah. And I liked how, I mean, I liked how they did that and they worked it in there to kind of, I mean, he's not just seeing it's shown that, I mean, that's showing more of his psychic powers than just seeing Samantha and like what happened with her. I mean, you know, picking up visions from her, he's also picking up the future, like his psychic. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason his kid has powers is because he had them. He just didn't have a way to tap into, them, yeah. you know, uh, kind of like a certain dad who went into an out the overlook hotel <laughs> also might've had them and you know, may whatever. or may not have had them. Who's to say, <laughs> And who was also struggling to be a creative person, you know, an author versus a musician, but whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is earlier about Samantha, I love that scene after everything is revealed and uh, they finally have the showdown. I love that scene, of that simple scene of her finally getting her resolution, like her outside yeah. is playing. It sounds like something like Lisa Loeb or something, you know, but like. <laughs> Perfect I for mean, those days. And yeah. the glasses fit the fit that genre too, so. Yeah, and then she's just, and then the car, you know, drives up and then she just disappears, you know, like, I, I was like, okay, that's, that's a good way of showing the ghost moving on. I like yeah. how they did that. Is she know? escapes and then she gets ran over by a car. <laughs> um. As far as there anything else you want to discuss about like just the general plot of the movie? Cause we kind of like covered multiple things as we was covering all this that we, you know, like the discussion, but no, I think, I think we, we pretty much got down to it. Yeah. Uh, we've covered the acting, the story, the, the music choices, uh, the visuals they used. I feel like we did a pretty good job covering all that stuff. So, um, you want to move into the trivia now? Let's move into trivia. So in the hypnotism flashback scene, uh, there is a scene of a safety pin being stuck through Tom's hand. 
This was not a special effect. A stuntman was paid to come in and have a safety pin pushed through his hand for the scene. I fucking hate this movie. (laughs) (laughs) We've already discussed the hypnosis thing, so it's there. I mean, they actually, susceptible people can watch this, and if it wasn't for certain musical cues that they added in after the test screenings, you would actually be hypnotized. Well, they didn't do a good enough job. (laughs) <laughs> but apparently it can affect some people who are already sensitive to psychic phenomena anyway. So Ooh, there you go. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, on the couch, the babysitter reads the shrinking man by Richard Matheson, <laughs> who's the, the author of the, of the actual original novel. Look at that. Uh, yep. Uh, when they were setting up the scene where Maggie leaves Jake at her relative's house it was realized that they had gone over the number of hours the child actor that placed jake could work due to strict hollywood child labor laws crew members had to run from house to house in that neighborhood that they were filming in to find a kid that looked like him uh to appear as a background character wow <laughs> uh, after of course their parents approval and a very quick haircut they actually cut the kid's hair too on top of this oh my god uh, just to be able to complete the shot so they ran over and they were like fuck we've got to have a kid now that's to is a stand-in for him as he's waving goodbye to his mom driving off oh my and, god uh, <laughs> i would be like sure how bad do you need this Oh, yeah. Hundred thousand dollars. Cut my kid's hair. Yeah. (laughs) Pay off my mortgage. (laughs) There you go. Uh, The scene where Maggie is sitting in the car in the rain was shot on a night when it actually was raining very heavily. Wow. Get this. The rain did not look (laughs) real on film, so they had to set up an awning to cover the car from the rain, and then rig up rain-making equipment under the awning to make it look like real rain. I bet you those people hated their job at that particular moment. They're like, this fucking bullshit. It's like, we've got the real element here, and now we've got to make up some bullshit to stand in for it. I'm sorry, could you not just, like, like have somebody stand out with a fucking hose, like, spraying up in the air to get a little bit more rain? You had to fucking do a whole setup in... Uh Uh-uh, I can't. I got a headache. Uh, during the scene in the Witski's backyard where Tom is digging, Kevin Bacon was in a lot of pain as oh, he shit. pulled a muscle in his oh. neck. Oh, you didn't pull one of those Se- fucking stomach muscles? One of those ab muscles? Those things were working no, hard. His, his core was worked on, man. <laughs> it was his neck. He didn't do neck day, okay? Oh, shit. Don't skip uh, neck day. Several props, lightweight uh, picks were used for the scene to try and ease his suffering but in the end it was opted to use the real and heavier pick <laughs> as the swings and impact didn't look real enough on screen oh. so he sat there for hours oh, upon shit. hours with a real pick like digging into the ground or like hammering into the ground for that scene That's there you go people. dirty and it did i mean like you, just like we talked about the ghostbusters wearing legit heavy proton packs and how it affected them running upstairs you could yeah. see they had him without his shirt now had they not had him if they had had a shirt on him not that that would have been very appealing to some of the women watching but if they had just kept a shirt on him uh, it, that wouldn't have been such a big deal because you can fake your arms, but I don't know that he could have faked his stomach. He would have had to like, uh, like flex his obliques while he was swinging downwards, you know. Whereas if you're doing it with a real pick, it's gonna obviously look real. 
that's true. I didn't, I didn't think about that element of it. I was just thinking as far as like the, the, the amount of momentum it took for him to get the pick started would even look off if he did. I mean, he could fake that to a degree, but it'd be tough. It, I almost feel like it would be harder for him to, especially with already like a strained muscle in his neck to try to attempt to slow down his swing than it would be just to have like the actual pick in hand and like do it the right way. Oh, well, Kevin Bacon <laughs> is married to, uh, I don't know if it's Kyra, Akira. Sedwick, and I'm sure she did not mind at all <laughs> the benefits of him having to swing, other than the fact that he had a sore neck. Poor baby. In the scene where Tom gets angry after digging in the backyard and kicks the bucket toward the wall, it was not supposed to hit and break the window. <laughs> that was a happy accident. And it was used in the film as Kevin Bacon stayed in character and continued the scene. Dude, I loved it. That was so good. And to hear that it wasn't part of it is even better. Because the way he looked at it was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit? Really? Have you seen what you've done to the inside of the house? And I'm not sure that he had started it yet, but he was about to, if nothing else. Well, he'd art. Yeah, he had, like, muddied up the floor at that point. Yeah. He hadn't, like, actually done any damage to the inside. But, yeah, you just give that look like, fuck it, I'm done. Like, you know, I, I love how he reacted to that. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> uh, I didn't notice this, but Catherine Irby's tattoo on her back reads uh, T plus M, standing for her husband Terry and her daughter Maeve. Uh, and it features a hardware around the letters this inspired the exact same tattoo placed on the inside of kevin bacon's forearm which in the movie stands for the two actors uh, characters names tom and maggie Aww. so that was that was kind of a neat they they's like well instead of covering it up let's just work it on to him because that's the kind of thing this kind of couple would do so that's kind of cool uh, yeah i like that uh, the creep walk, as it was called, uh, for Samantha's character, was achieved by uh, using a character, a camera that was sped up, uh, and the actress was told to walk as uh, to walk as slowly but to appear as naturally as possible. And then, whenever it was time to edit in the scene, they played the footage at normal speed, and all the imperfections in her walk added to the creepy effect. So they sped the camera up, had her walk super slow, uh -huh. and then they put it in at normal speed, and it looked like she was just all like janky and like you know I love moving it. around it like. Yeah, that's pretty kind of cool. A, it's a neat way to get the effect without like having to resort to like which CGI, which would have been dog shit at this time, anyways. Because we've already talked about like the CGI was decent and the frighteners, but you know it was not not great at this moment in time. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon plucks around on the guitar in the film, but in real life, he is actually a skilled guitarist. Uh, him and his brother Michael formed the Bacon Brothers, uh, and they have over a half—they have over a half dozen albums, uh, some oh, uh, which have have actually got some acclaim, and they occasionally tour and play live in support of of their uh, band. So the there Bacon you go, Brothers. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the Bacon Brothers. The hypnotist played by Elena Douglas is called Lisa Whale. Uh, the, the babysitter is placed by Liza Whale. So <laughs> that's kind of weird that, you know, they, they have the similar names. Liza Whale, who plays the babysitter, wanted to find out what happened to her sister, Samantha, uh, who wanted to find out about her sister, Samantha, actually has a sister named Samantha in real life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so. It makes it seem a lot more real. 
Yeah, it's like, what'd you do to Samantha? She didn't even have to get in character for that. I know. You know, a week before, like a van just rolls by and kidnaps her sister and takes her to like this resort. (laughs) Oh my god, that would be awful. And she has no idea, but she still has to complete this film so that the parents can afford the FBI research and everything. (laughs) Yeah, if that if that was the actual case, you got Nicole Kidman and the others saying, "I had to go to such a dark place imagining this woman who has killed her children," and then the babysitter and this, if that was the case, would be like, "I lost my fucking sister for real, you bitch." Yeah. Meanwhile, her sister's just in Hawaii, fucking having the time of her life, knowing exactly what's happening. (laughs) Like, sister, I did it for you. You were amazing. Uh, in an earlier version of David Cope's script, there was some important differences from the actual movie that we saw. Uh, Maggie's uh, hypnotist sister, Lisa, was actually a brother named Philip. Uh, I feel like I, I like the actress they got for that part. I feel like she played the hippie part well enough. I don't know how a brother would work. Yeah, she, I think she had the look um, and she had the voice. So, um, To find out what was wrong with Tom, uh, they actually had an MRI in the original script. They had an MRI scan done uh, by a cousin of Maggie's, a neurobiologist or neurologist named Elizabeth. So they kind of cut that out of the movie. Yeah. I feel like that was a good idea because yeah. that was a little much. Uh, we find out that Tom had uh, first met his wife while working as a lifeguard. His psychic abilities helped save her from drowning. Mm, that would have been that would have been interesting, cool. but. But I don't know how they could have fit into the movie the right yeah. way. Or, you know, it might have been something he said offhandedly. Yeah. Instead of accusing the Witskies of having something to do with her sister's disappearance, the young babysitter was worried they were abusing their son. Tom found out she was being abused by her stepfather and chased him out of town. Uh-huh. Um, so that would have been interesting. Yeah. So she. Yeah, she would have think thought that Jake was being abused by, you know, and it's because she was being abused too, and then yeah. Tom, you know, used his powers to get rid of her stepdad. That that would have been interesting. It kind of would have been better than the guy with the shining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, including that scene. At the end of the movie, oh, Maggie gave birth to a girl with the same psychic abilities as Jake. Ugh. That would have... Uh, I don't know. I don't, that that was good. They cut that. Yeah. Jake <laughs> Jake uh, watches the Mummy Shroud uh, from 1967 on television when his mother tells him to turn it off. Not in li- <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, 1968 version, then appears on every channel as he attempts to turn it off the television. I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again. Um, it's a Wonderful Life is is the is in Christmas movies to what not a living date is to horror movies. It's yeah. Because it's available. It's in movie. It's in all of them. Like oh, it's some, okay. or most of them at some point. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. I was Just, like, why, I, won- I had wondered why they had chosen. That. I mean, it was really good scenes. It looked really good, you know? Yeah, it's it's because Night of the Living Dead, because of the copyright issue when we get to zombie season, that would be definitely part of the trivia because of the how they did the copyright. Because it, it was actually called, I mean, this is a bit of trivia right up front. I think it was called Night of Anubis, and they realized it was kind of a dumb name before they went to release it. And they had the copyright on Night of Anubis. Yeah. But but they had to change it so quick before they sent it to the you know, the to have it print, you know, the print ran that they they called it not the living dead but they didn't put that little c up in the corner to say copyrighted and then everybody was like well you didn't do it so now we own it too fuck so dirty (laughs) the children's tv program where samantha appears on the tv while jake is watching on the bed is called lidsville which aired on abc from 1971 to 1973 that would that kind of made me chuckle a little bit (laughs) 
<laughs> she just she's looking back, you know, and and from the yeah inside the show. Like, hey, <laughs> uh, you may see many similarities to The Shining and think it took uh, that this movie or this movie took from The Shining. In fact, it's the opposite. Stir of Echoes was a novel written in '58 wow. by Richard Matheson. So, if anything, Stephen King took stuff from Matheson, okay. and we've already talked about the black cop who's, you know, Dick Halloran. Uh, there's obviously the dad who's, you know, potentially psychic, you know, the son who is, is the shining. There's that definitely. Yeah. Uh, the, the dad's going crazy. Uh, I mean, there, it, it does seem like, I don't know, maybe Stephen King read the story, didn't realize he did. Then when he was high on cocaine, while he was at the <laughs> overlook, he's like, Hey, I got a good idea for a story. And you know, went with it. I was thinking just that. And you're the one who said it. <laughs> Kevin Bacon, Elena Douglas, and Kevin Dunn were also all together in the Jennifer Aniston movie, Picture Perfect. So they all came together for another movie after this. Oh, wow. Uh, in the film, Tom's famous last words before being hypnotized are, what's the worst that could happen? Whereas in the book, he asks, what have I got to lose? Your That's, mind, you know. Tom, your fucking mind. <laughs> Uh, during the hypnosis session, Kevin Bacon is told to imagine a movie theater where everything is painted black later during the rape scene. That's, you know, what is playing is yeah. uh, the song painted black. This instead, this performed by a band named uh, gob or whatever. So there you go. The movie bears certain similarities to the sixth sense released the same year, but the similarities are even greater to two 1980 movies, the shining obviously, but also the changeling. It comes back folks. <laughs> Tom, uh, Kevin Bacon, seems to be channeling Jack Nicholson's climactic madness in the scene where he argues with Maggie, uh, uh, which is very similar to, you know, Tom, or Nicholson and Shelley Duvall, like, fighting with each other. But the shining or the changeling connections are even closer. Uh, both movies involved a murdered child uh, whose ghost cries out for revenge. In addition, because, well, she's grown up, but she's got the mind of a child, so yeah. that kind of fits. In addition, the villain in The Changeling was played by Melvin Douglas. In Stir of Echoes, his granddaughter, Elena Douglas, plays Lisa the Hypnotist. <laughs> so the hit, so the, the hippie sister-in-law from this movie is the granddaughter of the, the senator yeah. in The Changeling. Wow. And also one of the, the, the doctor in Ghost Story that we've already covered this episode. Damn. I like how that all fits in. <laughs> it all fits in so fucking well. And I had no idea about that before I, I chose the ghost story for the attack of the bees. <laughs> I was just like, that's crazy, but I'll go with it. Oh, well, there you have it. <laughs> and that's that for that uh, particular movie. Uh, we've got one more coming up, folks. <laughs> Stay tuned. 